Praise God. A reference to myself, I did 22 years in the Navy, former Navy commander. I was a SEAL Team 2, SEAL Team 3, SEAL Team 5, different special warfare commands. I've done a lot of exciting things. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've jumped free fall. I've jumped static line, worked with demolitions in water and on land. I've swam in the ocean on dives, daytime, nighttime dives. Done a lot of exciting things. But the most exciting thing in my life was when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and it hasn't changed. I came to realize Jesus was not some picture on the wall or a statue on the lawn. He was a living God. He's real, folks. He's real. The spiritual world is real, and Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Absolutely. And I hope you can say the same thing. That's the most important relationship in our lives, and it hasn't changed in mine. I appreciate Paulette, absolutely. But when we got married, I said, I come after Jesus. Jesus is first, and vice versa. It's all about him, folks. You know, the world has superheroes, Marvel Comics, movies today about the Hulk, you know, Spider-Man, uh, Batman, Superman. You know who the superhero is? Jesus of Nazareth. No superhero has anything on him. He's the ultimate superhero. He set the captives free. Oh, yes, and he deserves all reverence. Thank you, Jesus. So... I want you to bow your heads, and we're going to get into the message. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray you'll quicken my words right now and speak through me. Help me share the, exactly what you want to be shared today and help the people to receive what you want them to receive. Not of me, but of you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm asking you to speak through me today and help the people to receive exactly what you want them to receive. And I praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I want to start off with the key scripture of my sermon today, Survive the Storm, is the title. In Luke 6, 47 through 49, I'm going to read, Whoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Solid scripture about foundation. You know, concerning the leaning tower of Pisa, the word Pisa means marshy land which gives some clue as to why the tower began to lean before it was completed. The foundation was only 10 feet deep. And on that point, I want to spin this example. Let's take two Christians. Both are in Jesus, receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. I got a Christian over here, and I got a Christian over here. They both face trials in life. But this Christian over here seems to have victory after victory. They go through the trials. They go through the impediments. They move forward with the right attitude and positive accomplishment getting through the storm. Over here, they're saved, but they have defeat after defeat after defeat. Always need help. Can't seem to go forward. Always crumbling down. Saved. But what's the difference? They're both in Christ Jesus, yes. But it takes more than just being in Christ Jesus. It's being a doer of the word. And Jesus and the word are one. When you read that Bible, Jesus is talking to you, folks, because the word and Jesus are one. It's not a pie-in-the-sky story. It's reality where the rubber meets the road. I had a tour in the Middle East. And one of the things that was even, not that God needed an apologetic, but I went to many places and I saw how history and archaeological evidence again and again backed up the Bible. I saw how the Bible used prophecy and there's no holy book in the world that uses prophecy except the Bible. None. You see, man records history, but God writes it. He'll tell you from what's going to happen in the beginning and what's going to happen in the end. He is an awesome God. But this person goes through victory after victory this person has defeat. This is a doer of the word. 
they built their house on the foundation of the word. You see, when you take the word of God, this is your owner's manual for life, the Bible. We don't go by emotions. We don't go by appearances. They can be up one day, down the other day, and appearances change. Emotions are like a sine curve, up and down, up and down. But the word of God is steadfast, and we stand on the word. What does the word say? That's our solid foundation, and you've got to get it into your heart and know what the word says. That means you've got to read the Bible. Put it into your heart and be a doer of the word. Solid foundation. To survive a storm, one must lay a solid foundation, even in life. You've got to have that solid foundation when the hurricane winds come. Oh, yes, to build one's house on the rock is to build one's life on God's word. There are different storms in life. Everybody will face storms. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. There are storms in this world, spiritual storms, financial storms, health-related or medical storms, marital storms, career or job-related storms, family or neighbor problem storms, storms that may be coming to America. And I highlight that last one because I think it's important to highlight this. In 1948, Israel became a nation again. In May, it marks 70 years of this year. They've been in existence. When you look in the New Testament, it says, watch the fig tree, which was indicative of Israel. There are indications when the clock started in 1948, we are now in the last days. So we should start seeing things happening in the world. And this is why it's very important for you as Christians to be praying for America. Because if you don't pray, the heathen won't. And this nation needs your prayers, folks. You should start seeing the coming eventually of the Antichrist in the pursuit in the last days of what you see there of him establishing himself. So you should see some changes. But we are the Esthers of our day. We are the Esthers placed in America to make a difference in this nation, to make a difference in your community here to make a difference in Texas and beyond. We are here to make a difference. Oh, yes. We're in the last days, and therefore we should start seeing some things happening. But we are born for a time as this. So we need to lift our nation up in prayer, and we need to be focused on the word, and we need to be grounded. If storms develop and God tarries, and you need and you're facing circumstances and you need that word to be strong in your life, you need to have laid a solid foundation. Can you, like the Egyptian Coptic Christians, when they had the scimitar swords up above their necks, submit to Allah, re renounce Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, submit to Allah or lose your head? Can you stand strong to the end? You get it into your hearts, you're going to live for God with your whole heart. Don't give him partial, give him it all. Because he gave his all for us. Oh, yes. We've got to be doers of the word. James 1.22. It says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. That means to fear not and to act in faith. Fear not is like over 300 times in the Bible. All God has to do is say it once. Fear not. Fear is inspired from hell to take your promise of God you're standing on, to cause torment in your life, to come to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. It's from the enemy, and it is not of God. Psalms 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life, and of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea. I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I stood on that scripture in South Korea at a tour of duty, in one of my tours of duty overseas. And I remember I was facing a situation, and that particular scripture was important to me. I stood on that scripture, and I saw the victory. But at the time, I had to stand in faith. Because if you already have it, you don't have to stand in faith. You already got it. 
But we've got to receive it. Is we've got it, and then a manifestation will come because in our spirit we say yes and amen to God's word. If you don't get that, you need to, and if you are not in peace when you're standing in faith, then meditate on the scripture more and more that you're standing on. Find something in your situation and meditate and get it into your heart where it becomes peace. Fear is not of God. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Tells you right there, he's not giving you the spirit of fear. It comes from the opposition, the demonic realm that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Let's make theology very simple, folks. Some people want to make it complex, but let's make it very simple. There's nothing bad in God, and there's nothing good in the devil. Don't confuse the two, and you got your theology right. So many times people want to blame things on God. He's not the one. You've been deceived. Sit down, get your pulse checked, get a brain scan. It's not God. When you face a storm, you need to calm yourself. That's the first thing you need to do. Calm yourself. No matter what the storm is, go to God's word. What does God's word say? I was in San Diego area in Coronado at one of the teams' assignment, and one of the teams. And my mother calls me, telling me my father just gone into the hospital diagnosed with leukemia. I said, Mom, don't say a word. Do not say a word. I asked her, what does the word say? Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. The desire of the righteous shall be granted. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By the stripes of Jesus, ye were healed. And so I started to highlight to her some words of God. Matthew 18, 19 says, Mom, again, I say to you that two of you on earth agree about anything, and this shall be done by my Father who is in heaven, because God will honor his word for those that will honor his word. To make a long story short, he come out of the hospital, healed from leukemia. God be all the praise. Praise you, Jesus. 1 Samuel 36 says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know why David could encourage himself? He knew his God. How can you know somebody unless you spend time with them? Many evenings on... The fields, tending those sheep, I'm sure David was communing with God, developing that intimacy. And let me make a comment to you. That's what God wants for you. You know the most preferential thing God wants in your life is to have intimacy with him. That's why Adam and Eve were created. They were created for that intimate relationship, for God to commune with man. And so many times we want to put other things in priority above our relationship with God. But when that bell goes into the 12th round and the fight's over and the decision is rendered and life is no more, you better make sure you're on the right side of that decision. You put God first. Don't give him half-hearted service. Give him full heart. He gave his all for us. He stood on that cross, hands spread to the side, Forgive them, Father, they do not know what they do. They just beat him horribly. They spat upon him. They insulted him. They ridiculed him. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. He's still praying for mankind. That's for the Father's heart, and that's the heart of Jesus Christ. But David, he encouraged himself because he had developed an intimate relationship with God. So he encouraged himself. And then he pursued the enemy, he, the, the marauders that took sons and daughters and wives and the goods from them. He captured, brought back, and then we see what happened. They got the victory. David encouraged himself, if there is a time in your life when you can't call Pastor Dennis, Pastor Ben, Pastor Holly, Pastor George, somebody else in the church, you might have to react what have you put into your heart? What scripture am I standing on in this storm that has hit me? 
Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. What do I do, God? Oh, and the scripture comes up and you know what to do. You take authority. You execute dominion. Decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. Satan, you will not have this victory. I take it back in the name of Jesus and by the name of Jesus and by his blood, I claim it done. I've taken authority. Behold, I've been given authority of all the, over all the serpents and scorpions and nothing shall injure me. I put the word in my heart and I decree ordain it. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you take your hands off this situation. I claim the victory because I'm in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14 tells me, I always triumph in Christ Jesus. You play till you win. Do not let time become your enemy. God will bring you the victory. Now, one thing about prayers, though, you have to understand this. Some people say, I prayed and I don't feel like I'm getting the answer. Don't blame God before you look at yourself. You remember God says he will honor his word. You may be in unforgiveness. You've got a grudge against your neighbor or a relative from 20 years ago. You won't let go. You're walking in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will take many to straight to hell. You've got to forgive. It's not an option. It's a commandment. It's, an, it's a directive. You don't know what they did to me. You know what they did to Jesus? Forgive them. They don't know what they do. God has forgiven us. We've got to forgive. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and believing it's going to affect somebody else and has eaten your heart out. I prayed for a lady in Indiana. I had her at the prayer line. I prayed for her. I said, ma'am, what's your problem? I can't forgive my father. I said, your, is your father living in the air? No, he's dead. I said, wow. He's in the cemetery. He can't affect you. The only thing is affecting you is your unforgiveness. I don't know what he did to you in your youth, but you got to forgive. Unforgiveness is the first step toward getting you out of the jail cell. It will start the path to your inner healing. You've got to forgive. And many people here today, if you have unforgiveness, get rid of it. And it's impacting your prayer life. And maybe you don't realize it, but it is. Ask yourself, are you walking in love if you're not getting answers to some of your prayers? Are you walking in doubt and unbelief? James, it says, don't be double-minded or don't expect to receive. You got to go with the word. Are you walking in disobedient sin and you know it's willful? Ask yourself these things before you go to God. If something's not happening and you think there's something wrong, then you communicate to God because God wants to do good things in your life and he wants to forgive you. Oh, believe that, folks. Praise yourself. Praise you, Jesus. Romans 8.31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God's in your corner as a Christian. You're on the winning team. How much is two plus two? You're going to tell me four, right? You could tell me five. You could tell me eight. You could tell me nine. You could tell me ten. But four is the correct answer. I tell you what, folks. Acts 4.12 says, know the name. Which man is supposed to be saved through Jesus Christ? No, God, what do you mean by no other name? <laughs> what do you mean? Society says there's different ways to lead to heaven. Just be a good person. All religions, if they're okay, lead to heaven. No, they don't. Truth is absolute. It always proves its course. You can believe me now, you can believe me later. But Jesus is the way. He's the only way. You come to the Father through Jesus or you don't come. There's a correct answer. Two plus two equals four, yes, and there's a correct answer to eternity, and you guys are on a winning team. Absolutely. It pays to breathe correctly. Truth is always more important than sincerity. Sincerity can be nice, but it can take you straight to hell. Truth. And the truth of God's word is what we stand on. We're on the winning team. God is in your corner. Praise you, Jesus. Which song, which song are we on here? 103. All right, I'm back. This helps me keep my cue. Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. God has done good things in our lives, folks, and he wants to do good things in your life. When he redeemed us from the curse, you've seen the curse in Deuteronomy 28. If Israel followed the idols and false gods, then they had things with the curse they had to deal with. If they followed God, they got the blessings in Deuteronomy 28. But if they didn't, 
and they did the things opposite to what God would have them to do, the curse ensued, and that centered on spiritual darkness, poverty and lack, and sickness and disease. But in Galatians 3.13, the new covenant, we know that. We, we see in the words, God, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. As Christians, we know because we studied our word, that means he gave us spiritual life, he gave us prosperity to meet our needs, and he gave us health for our bodies. Man, thank you. I've got the better covenant, God. Thank you for it. I'm redeemed from the curse. I've got a relationship with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Oh, hallelujah. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. God, <laughs> you're using all again. What does all mean? All thine heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all, God, there you go again. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Let God be the rudder of your ship. Let God guide and direct you all the days of your life. On a daily basis, look to the Lord of Lords. Look to the Holy Spirit. Develop that fine relationship with him so he communicates to you in your spirit and listen to his unctions and his guidance. When you do that and you get that peace, you're going the right direction. No peace? Let peace be your umpire. No peace? There's a little red flag saying something's wrong. Don't go that way. Because you're listening to your spirit. God's communicating to you. God is a spirit. And this is his primary means he's going to communicate to you is through your spirit. He can do different things. He can. But this is primary. In reference to the word, stand strong and act in faith. Don't go by appearances or emotions, as I've already mentioned, but act in accordance with what the word says. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What a key word up here, hope. We got to have hope, but from hope we bridge to faith. You got to have hope to start things off. One must hope and then believe in heart or spirit, God's word, and this will generate substance. Mark 9.23 says, and this is a powerful scripture, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That's a strong word. Wow. God says what he means, and he means what he says. He honors his word, folks. Romans 4.20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Remember this example, a man of God used this one time, I recall from my recollection. There was this dirigible balloon. They had men holding it down with a rope some years back, many years back. And one by one, they, they dropped off of it as the balloon got away from them and lifted up to the sky. But there's one man who hung on. And he got higher and higher, and he's still hanging on while the others dropped off lower, lower level. And many are praying for this man. Oh, my goodness. How can he hold on? How can he hold on to that rope? His arms must be tired. He could give way any time. Somehow, eventually, they got this balloon down. And they approached this man, and they said to him, how in the world could you hold on as long as you did? He says, I realized when I got higher from the ground, I hit the rope up, put it around my waist, it held me, and I dangled free. <laughs> I dangled free. The rope held me. And that's God's word in essence. Let God's word hold you. Let God do your battles. Worry is not of God. You're not in peace. Be at peace. I've got it. You're my son. You're my daughter, you're standing on my word, and I will move mountains because of your faith. You take me at my word. God will move over mountains to find people that are standing in faith. There's one who believes me. There's one who believes my word. We've got angels listening to your words. Are they not ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who inherit salvation? What are the angels listening? They're your... They can be helpers on your behalf. We need to wrap ourselves in God's word and dangle free like that man on the rope. The rope held him. The rope will hold you. Faith has two key features. Believe and release. You believe in your heart and release through your words and corresponding actions. Mark eleven twenty three through 24. This scripture, I learned more after I went overseas. But I want to highlight the scripture. It says, whoever, Mark 11, 23, 24, whoever shall believe in their heart. Let me say it this way. Whoever shall believe it, whoever shall. Verily I say to you that whoever shall 
saying unto this mountain to be taken up and cast into the sea, and now down his heart, but believeth whatever he saith. 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 It shall be granted him the next verse. Therefore all things which you pray and ask believe, you have received them, and they shall be granted you. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm going to develop this a little bit. You see, a lot of people sometimes put themselves in the kill zone. You see, when you stand on God's word, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, a lot of times people put themselves in the kill zone, and I mention some things that can do that for you. In the military, a lot of times, I know it was in Afghanistan the first time. I've been there twice. We had units. I'm not going to get into the details of our operations, but we told our units, you keep driving like if you're in Kabul, don't stop. If you have somebody running to you as a fender bender, let them go to the, let them on their own. Go to the embassy and confess what happened or whatever or make their appeal. But you keep driving, don't stop. I remember we had one German patrol from another unit. They were going through Kabul and somehow a vehicle hit, interrupted their patrol. And this German got out. And then another vehicle, because he was going to try to rectify the situation, and another vehicle came in from the side, boom. Planned attack, explosion, that German's in eternity. He put himself in the kill zone. I remember we were operating in the units there, and we had one guy, about a half second delay, there was a blast IED that went off, and his vehicle, he had a blast that got the engine block, absorbed it, Half second later, he'd have been in the kill zone. He just missed the kill zone. Clear more mines, a convex shape, ball bearings, have a fan out, and you can set them up for ambushes. When you set and detonate, they clear more mine. These bearings go out in this fan, which is a kill zone. We can put ourselves in kill zones quite easily with the words of our mouth. We can be full of doubt and unbelief and express it with our words. We can be doing things like unforgiveness, not walking in love and willful sin. And we can understand this, that as we're praying to God, we've already put ourselves in the kill zone. You're opening the door for the devil to work in your life, and you're claiming God to meet that need. The kill zone. We've got to stay out of the kill zone. We've got to be doers of the word and do what God tells us to do. And he'll protect us and help us. And that particular scripture, Mark eleven twenty three, I realized the essence of it was already working in my life, and I didn't realize it. I was an instructor assignment at the Naval Academy, and I had contacted my detail in Washington, D.C. As a very young Christian, I wanted to get this assignment working for the United Nations assignment as an observer group overseas in the Middle East. I'm going to hit the essence of it, not in finite detail. Don't have the time on that. But I want to highlight this principle I learned without knowing I was learning it. And it's working in your life whether you know it or not as we speak. Positively or negatively. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Your mouth is the rudder of the ship of your life. It will steer your destiny in ways you don't know. And I remember I got the assignment and my mother, my mother is saying, Son, I'm worried about your safety. There's a lot of turmoil in the Middle East. Like I would say, what's changed in the Middle East? There's been turmoil years before, and there's still turmoil. What's changed? Change the spirit, change the man. You don't change the spirit, you don't change the man. Hello. Anyway, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly realms. There's a spiritual warfare going on, folks, working through people. But I'm telling my mother and others that would say to me, Son, I'm worried about your safety. I said, Mom, I'm going to be all right. You see, shortly as a young Christian, before I went over this assignment, a man of God had given me some scriptures on God being my refuge, being my safety, being my protection, and I put those scriptures in my heart, and I believed them. I was acting, I believed them. I'm going to be safe. And so when I had these words coming my way, I was saying, no, I'm going to be safe. So I'm over, I'm going to fast forward this. I'm in Observer Group Lebanon. We were living in Israel at the time for that assignment, going across the border, we had a three-man patrol. We had uh, a Marine Corps captain. He made two-star general later on. Good guy. And uh, Gordy stayed at OPMAR. And I had the Swedish officer myself. He'd been there longer than me. I just reported in from Jordan, Amman, Jordan. And so he's driving. He knows the area. I'm communicating when we go through checkpoints. But we come up to this vehicle ahead. 
it has a hood up, three Arab-looking men are underneath the hood, and all of a sudden they start running toward us. They've got weapons. We do not, on this particular unit, carry weapons. We didn't have weapons. We were an observer group, and we had flags from the country we represented on our shoulders of a uniform. As they came running toward us, I tried to get some information out, but quickly I had an AK-47 being pointed toward my head. I realized what I was being told, get out of the vehicle. So the Swede officer and myself got out, hands up, we're being marched down the sloping ravine that probably went 65, 70 yards. They decided, thank God, not to shoot us. We lost our vehicle in the episode. We made our way back in home base. We did a lot of walking. We eventually got back. But my point on this, and I'm not going to go into greater detail because it's all about Jesus, not about me. But I knew when I got back to the States and I started to read more of God's word, what basically happened. I believed I was setting my protection in motion before I even left the United States. My prayer was already in place before I got to the Middle East. Because I was saying with my mouth, Mom, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be protected. I'm going to be safe. A few years later, there was a Lieutenant Colonel Rich Higgins, Marine Corps officer, hijacked in the same area, serving with the same unit. They showed pictures of him and his dead body on television and on the newspapers. I don't know his situation. I'm just saying for me and what I can speak for, I believe I was protected. And I've seen, I've been in Afghanistan twice since that point. I've been in Mogadishu, Somalia, one of the most <clears throat> dangerous cities in the world. Crazy place, Mogadishu. I've been in different situations. I don't have time to develop those and how God had protected me, but I use that principle. I remember I was talking to a lady in Illinois her son was getting ready to go to Afghanistan, and he was fearful that he might get hurt or something. He said, ma'am, get him to me. I need to talk to him. You see, when you start speaking negatively like that, you're opening the door for the devil to come in and give you a shot. And he'll take the opportunity because he hates you. You know why he hates you? The devil hates you fiercely because you're made in the image of God. And if he can hurt you, he hurts God's heart because God loves you so much. Each and every one in here. He died for all mankind, for those that will receive him. Praise you, Jesus. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe, only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe. You crazy old man, Noah. You've been building that boat for years now. Are you dumb? Are you stupid? You say it's going to rain? You say you heard from God? You say there's a flood coming? Oh, you crazy old man. Let us in. Let us in. It's raining. A flood is coming. You believe God? We didn't. Noah, let us in. Too late. Too late. Too late. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. I am Joshua, and I am Caleb. God said we can take the promised land. Let's go forth. We've got the victory. We are the other spies that went forward, and we tell you this. We're the majority. We are as grasshoppers in their sight. There are giants in the land. They are formidable. Would we have not died in the wilderness or in Egypt? Okay. And Father God says to you, you can have what you say. It. That's what you believe. Forty years in the desert, you'll die in the wilderness. And out of the mouth they said, Would we have not died in the wilderness or in Egypt? But Joshua and Caleb, your lack of faith will hinder them. But 40 years later, they'll go in because they believed. I'm going to spin on that momentarily. Their lack of faith hindered Joshua and Caleb going in. You have leadership. I encourage you to get behind the leadership of your church here and the vision God has put on their hearts. And don't limit what God wants to do here. Get in unity, get behind because there is strength in unity, and disunity there is weakness. You see little snowflakes come down? Very fragile. You put a lot of snowflakes together, stops traffic. That's unity. That's strength. 
get behind the vision God has put on their hearts, work together for the common cause of Jesus Christ, and don't hinder what things are trying to be accomplished here because of uh, the lack of faith of that body hindered Joshua and Caleb going in. They got in, but it took them longer time. You might say it took them 40 years to make an 11-day journey. Praise you, Jesus. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe. Am I a dog? Yeah, you come to me with sticks. I curse you by the names of my gods. Come to me and I'll feed your body to the fowls of the air and the beast on the earth. You come to me with sword, spear, and shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts of the armies of the living God, whom you have defied this day. God has given you into my hand, and I will take your head from your body, and I'll feed the carcasses of the Philistines to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the earth, and they'll be known that there is a God of Israel, and he will get all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. You can't prevent the devil from talking to you. But like David said to Goliath, today I'm taking your head from your body, big boy. No, 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 no. The devil will taunt. The devil will speak like Goliath spoke. But you've got a word in return because you know the word. David knew he had a covenant with the living God. And he knew that he would not cower. And he knew he would go forth without fear. Well, the others cowered behind the line? No, no, no. I've got a blood, I've got a covenant with God, and I'm going forth, and I've got the victory. The battle's not mine, but his. David was a man of God. David was a man's man. People want to put men and women in corners today. You know, if you talk about God, oh, okay, we might tolerate you, but you say, Jesus, you're a fanatic. You know what a fanatic is? Somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. If you're not being flaky, if you're standing on the word, when you go into a room, the dynamics of that room should change. 100 people in the room, you're the only Christian. Other unbelievers, 99. You're not the coward. You're confident in who you are, not in arrogance, because God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. But you take the light of God and you take what they need. Shut down this room right now with all the lights. Make it completely dark. Put a little lightning bug in here. You see a little fleck of light. Boom. Boom. Because light dispels darkness. And you take the light wherever you go in this dark world. You're his ambassadors. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe all things are possible. Only believe. Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? There's a crowd in here. What do you mean who touched you? Somebody touched me. Somebody touched my garment. Master, I knew if I could touch the hem of your garment, it was I. I knew that I would be healed. I've had this issue of blood all these years. And he says, woman, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And your faith can make you whole. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe. Son of David, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, sit down, sit down. He's over here. He's calling for you, Bartimaeus. He's calling for you. And what would you have me to do for you? that I will receive my sight. According to your faith, be it unto you, and Bartimaeus received his sight. God is not a respecter of persons. Not a respecter of persons. What he did for him, he'll do for you. God's a good God, and you've got a new covenant. You're redeemed from the curse, and God wants to do good things in your life. But we've got to believe his word. We've got to be doers of the word and believe his word. Realize that God does not change. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Acts 10, 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Jesus healed time and time again all those that came to him. God delivered time and time again, people again and again. Remember, Daniel's in the lion's den. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Jewish people from the schemes of Haman. Joshua and Caleb, because they trusted, came into the promised land. Joseph, because he trusted, rose to power in Egypt. David, because he trusted, slew a giant. What Jesus did for others, he'll do for you. Jesus was in the disciples' boat and he calmed the storm. Jesus is in your boat and he'll calm your storm and bring you to safe harbor, for he is not a respecter of persons. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out in the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. There God goes again using the word all. Psalm 34, 19, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. I didn't have this plan, but it's on my heart to do so. I need two volunteers. Come on down. This isn't the price is right, but come on down. Come on down. Bob, is that you? All right. Bob and Wayne. I got to stay up here. You guys got to come up here. Okay. We're going to, okay. All right. All right. Okay. We're going to use my Bible as an example here, Wayne. All right. Here, over here a little bit, Wayne. Okay, Wayne, I want you to give the Bible to Bob. Okay, Wayne, I want you to give me that Bible. I don't have a Bible. You don't have any of it? Do you have a cover? I don't have a cover. You have any pages? No pages. You have nothing? Absolutely. Absolutely no part of it? No part. Okay. All right. We did our example. All right, Bob, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. I'll explain it now. <laughs> what Wayne did was 1 Peter 5, 7 as an illustration. And if, give me an example. Give me time to develop this example. God says, cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. So when I asked Wayne, give me the Bible. You don't even have the cover. You don't have any pages. You have nothing. So when we take our problem and give it to God, we cast it all. And the devil comes knocking on your door. Mr. Devil, I don't even have the page. I don't even have the cover. I have nothing. I can't give you it because I gave it to God. The same way Wayne gave the Bible to Bob. Bob's got it. So that means when we take our problems and give it to God, he's got it. What happens is the next day we reach up and grab it. We've all been guilty of it. We reach up the next day and grab it. And we've got it. And we're here pacing the floor. God, when are you going to answer that? God, you know I've been praying about this, God. When are you going to answer my prayer? And God's looking down. When are you going to give it to me? You gave it to him, but the next day you took it back. I'm going to worry and fret. I still got it, but I want God to answer my prayer. He's, he's got it. If you give it to him and let it stay there. You may have to give it to him a couple times, maybe more, but you give it to him and you be at peace. Faith has peace. If you don't have peace, you don't have faith. You're in presumption. Praise you, Jesus. Sometimes an illustration can help make the point. Praise you, Jesus. Remember, you have a blood covenant. You have a covenant with the living God. Oh, that's awesome, folks. You know, in the Old Testament, when they made covenant, one family or one man would give something to another man. One time, he might give him a weapon, and then that man would give him a weapon. My battles are your battles, and your battles are mine. Your battles are God's. You've got a blood covenant with the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ if you're a Christian. He can handle it. He hung millions of stars on nothing. He can handle your problem. He knows where you live. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your address. He knows you were born for a time as this, and you'd be living in Texas. Oh, yes. Oh, he's an awesome God. I can't help but mention this, too. And I mentioned it last service and at the men's event yesterday because I want to encourage you that there are no insignificant days with God. If you go back, remember the book of Acts. You remember Paul was in Philippi with Silas in the midnight hour. And ultimately, they led the Philippian jailer to Christ, and he and his household believed. Do you realize that America is a Christian nation because of Paul that night? Paul and Silas? Because the gospel went from Philippi, it went to Europe, and it went to the United States. 
or America because of the actions of one night. Your actions matter wherever you go. Maybe it's encouraging somebody in Walmart. Maybe it's praying with somebody in the grocery store. Maybe you're planting seed in the next Billy Graham and you don't know it. There are no insignificant days with God and you don't retire as an ambassador in his service. All the days of your life, you've got to live for the king of kings. You know why? Because many are dying and going to hell. And they don't have to. The great tragedy is they don't have to. It's a priceless gift what Christ did for us at the cross. But people have got to receive it. People will determine their future. But you know, the Great Commission hasn't changed because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can they know the gospel unless they hear? Somebody's got to tell them. And that's you and me. The Great Commission is still being built and you're part of the book of Acts. It's still being written. Praise you, Jesus. Live your life without regret. Somebody in here, if you've gone to jail, if you've gone through a divorce, if you've gone through something that was tragic in the past, the devil wants to come around and still remember, make you remember that. No, no, no. Put it under the blood, confess it, get right with God. God forgives. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. If you live in your past, you'll forfeit your future. Live for now and into the future. God's got a good plan. He can get you back on track. And he can restore things the devil's taken from you. God wants to encourage you. He's wiped the slate clean. Don't let the devil come back and try to get you to live in the past. Or others might look at you and remember you be where you used to be. I'm sorry, I don't receive that. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm a new creature. I'm not that same fellow from years past. I've been reborn. And the spirit of the living God lives in me. The same spirit that spoke this world into existence, he dwells in me. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. It's been said, if you don't have a purpose you would die for, you don't have a life worth living. In days ahead, we must ensure an intimate relationship with God. God so desires intimacy. The Song of Solomon is very indicative in one interpretation of Jesus and the bride of Christ. It's a love story, but it's a love of God for mankind and for his bride, his church. It's an awesome love. It's a wonderful love. And it's one to be cherished. And in that comment, folks, persistence doesn't mean you have an intimate relationship that you're just trying to grind things out. God wants you to have an intimate relationship. You know, there's going to be many that stand before God and he says, depart from me, I don't know you. Matthew 7, 21. Depart from me, I don't know you. But I did this for you, God. I did that for you, God. I did this for you, God. Depart from me, I don't know you. How do you know somebody? You got to spend time with them. We, on a regular basis, daily, should be communing and talking to God. Jesus, I love you. Commune with God with some private time. It's not just X in the box on Sunday. We need to develop our intimacy. God wants that so much. It's precious in his sight. He, lean, he yearns for it. He leans on you to do that. He wants to draw you into that intimate relationship. And it should be priority in our lives. If the schedule's too busy, don't put God way down here. I'm with a hustle and bustle. When you die... There'll be no U-Haul trailer behind your hearse. No, no, no. What did you do for God's kingdom? Did you live for God? Did you love God and love your fellow man? It's going to be make the main thing the main thing right then. And if you're a Christian, will it be said, well done, good and faithful servant? No. Oh, priority is the spiritual realm, folks. Don't live for a stale pot of soup. Live for a banquet. In eternity, God is going to put on a show that's going to knock your socks off. He's going to show you things beyond grandeur. Well, Disney, you have nothing on God. He's going to shine things in eternity that's going to just make you think, oh, God, you're so awesome. You're so good. Oh, God, I love you so much. Oh, wow. 
live for eternity. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That's what God would have you to do. We must serve God with our whole heart. We must walk in holiness, righteousness, and obedience by the grace of God. We must be quick to repent and walk in forgiveness. We must be sanctified and committed to his work. We must resist the devil in temptation with the word of God. We must have regular prayer times personally and with church family. We must walk in a life of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And we must read our Bible daily and develop faith in our inner man. Put the word in your heart. If you don't put the word into your heart, you'll never have it there when you need it. No deposit, no return, folks. You got to put it in your heart. And your eyes and keys are keys to your heart. Whatever you see and look at and hear goes in here. Be careful what you're looking at. Make it quality time for God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to go back to David. He's one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. David approached the Israelites that were gathered in battle array. And when he heard Goliath's taunts, he had much to say. Is there not a cause to take a stand against this Philistine, who is a heathen man? He has no covenant with God and cursed God's name. Why does the army of the Lord stand here in shame? God is with us and sees his taunts. Why does Israel condone these audacious flaunts? David went forth and conquered his foe, even though the others refused to go. Is there not a cause in this era of life to take a bold stand for our Lord Jesus Christ? Is there not a cause to get on fire and do his work with godly desire? Is there not a cause to serve him well so that others may be saved from hell? That's from my yellow book. Easy for me to augment. But I wanted to stir this up for Christians here. There's a cause, folks. People are dying and going to hell. Howard Pittman had this experience in about 1979, 3 August. I'm going to share this from what he shared one time. He said he was dying, he thought. He's a Christian. He thinks he's living for God in good order. He's on the ground. And he says his spirit left his body. He's standing outside heaven's gates. Whether people believe this or not, look in the Bible and see what it says about the narrow road and the wide road and heaven and hell. But Howard said God wanted him to observe. Father God said, I want you to observe, Howard. He, during his particular period of time, observed 50 people during this particular period of time that died on planet Earth and went through the gates of heaven. But he wasn't getting it, the, the whole picture. He says, and Father God conveyed to Howard, said, Howard, you're not getting what I want you to observe still. So Howard, not getting it, God conveyed to him. He says, Howard, what you don't understand is another 1,950 people died on planet Earth during this particular period of time. Where did they go, Howard? They went to hell. 97.5% of the people that died on planet Earth during that particular period of time went to hell. Whoa. If that is indicative, and if that is true, of any average time on planet Earth, the odds aren't good. Howard understood the Father's heart was sold for his kingdom. Howard understood no longer would he be lukewarm. Howard understood that he would be committed and dedicated for the things of God. He came back in his body and he became fervent. Eternity is an equalizer forever. Too late, too late. Too late. Now is the time to work for God. Now is the time to serve him with a whole heart. And Howard knew that. And he committed his life. And he took the word lukewarm and he put it in the trash can of his Christian vocabulary. Apathy would not pertain to him anymore. And apathy should not pertain to us. Jesus gave his all. On a different note, on a lighter note, this was done for Pastor Jerry LeSure in Illinois. I'm going to share Pastor Jerry LeSure's testimony. I told Pastor Jerry, you need to do this more, Jerry. You got to share it with people because it encouraged people. He's 64 years old today, but he was 36 when he experienced this experience. His mother, who's a Christian, is living, and she's up in her years. She's in the room, and he's in the room, and she's about ready to die. She's in her elderly years. She's a Christian. And all of a sudden, Jerry starts singing, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
He's excited for what he just saw. A relative from the hallway comes running down. Jerry, what's the matter with you? And Jerry says, I saw this vividly, 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 clearly, clearly. I saw in the spiritual realm as mom was entering in eternity. He said he saw his mother, her spirit come out of her body. His mother looked at him with radiant youthful appearance transcending from her elder years. And as he looked at Jerry, he, she had a beautiful smile. Jesus had her hand. Jesus looked at Jerry and smiled and took the spirit out of her body into eternity. As a Christian, when we go into eternity, it's like taking off your coat and entering the next dimension. Death, where is your sting? You've got to live for God, folks. Jerry will tell you that's vivid, same to today as he thinks about it, as fresh as it was when he experienced it, because spiritual things don't grow old. I'm here to say with all my heart, we've got to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I don't want anybody here not leaving, not knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Praise you, Jesus. God came to reconcile us and not condemn us. I stress that to you. You see, here's the gospel message, folks. I grew up thinking God had a big bat waiting to hit me. Body slam me or whatever you want to call it. Oh, I, I, moved, I goofed up. I'm going to get it now. But I understood when I read the scriptures as a young Christian, the prodigal son story talked about the father's heart. That son went and lived a riotous lifestyle. He took his father's inheritance and he lived on riotous living. And there was a famine in the land. He came back thinking his father might hire him as a hired servant. But as he's coming back, his father's there to run to meet him, put a coat on him, kill the fatted calf, make celebration. And we hear the comments, my son who was lost has now come home. That's the father's heart. A secular father would have said something perhaps like this, you made your bed, now live in it. You want to come back now? No. No, the father embraced him, killed the fatted calf, forgave him, he humbled himself and came back. Remember Jesus, when they brought the lady caught in adultery? He stooped down, wrote in the sand, and he stooped up, and one by one, the accusers left. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? There are none, master. I accuse you not. Go and sin no more. Jesus knew in a short time he'd be going to that cross and take her sins. And Jesus would be taking man's hand, the father's hand, and making the connection forever. I've done it, father. I've paid the price. I've reconciled them to you, Father. Take them, Father. I've reconciled. I gave it all. I don't want to condemn you. That's the Father's heart to you. He wants to reconcile you. And God loves each and every one of you. I prayed Romans 10, 9, and 10. Romans 10, 9, and 10. It says in Scripture, Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And raised from the dead for your justification, you shall be saved. With the heart, man believes. Your spirit. But with the tongue. Remember I talked to you about the tongue? The tongue he confesses, resulting in salvation. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Your words. I pray with Abdul, Abdul says something happened to Michael. I said, Abdul, his father was a Muslim. Abdul, God just imparted eternal life to your spirit. And God wants us all to be restored and reconciled. He's not out to get anybody. And he is a God of forgiveness. Don't run for God, run to God. And I'm going to say to you right now, I'm going to encourage you all to pray with me. I've prayed this many times. I'm going to pray Romans 10, 9 and 10. I'm going to ask you all to repeat after me. Because many of you have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying otherwise. But you can encourage somebody else that needs to pray. So I'm asking you to repeat after me like I pray with Abdul. Heavenly Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I believe that Jesus raised from the dead for my justification. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent and I'll live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I receive you 
as my Lord and Savior. Now I'm going to ask you as you're looking forward to me, and there's love in here, folks, and you have to please be open with God. I'm just being candid, open with you, and with my heart I'm speaking to you. If that is the first time you prayed a prayer like that, or got Jesus, uh, accepted Jesus into your heart, got right with God, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand, please. Don't have anything hold you back here. I'm speaking to you now. Just raise your hand. I'm going to give it a minute here. Don't let men's faces deter you. If you got right with God for the first time here, raise your hand, please. Please, I want to take a moment. I want to take a moment. Okay. I'm going to take a moment. All right. That means you're all Christians is what you're telling me. So, praise God. If you have any need for any prayer, if you need to go back and have somebody pray with you on forgiveness or anything, back in the partition, you can go back there in the plastic area there and there'll be counselors to pray with you. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Dennis. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each member in here. I pray for everybody in here right now that you help us all to know even more so the hope of our calling, the inheritance we have in you, and the power to work through us by your Holy Spirit. Help us all to become the ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ you would have us to become. Help us, dear God, to serve you with our whole hearts. And I pray for this church. Accomplish will and purpose in this church, dear God. Bring in the finances and bring in the people that are supposed to be here for the vision of God to be fully accomplished. I pray blessings on this church. Father, in the name of Jesus.